0: Alright. Well, here we are, Story family. How's it feel? Woo! Does it feel like the story? Does it, does it feel like home yet? Alright, it's a little different, a little different space, right? Um, a little more traditional, but uh, of course we, we had to throw the giant LED wall up here just to make sure we're still us. Uh, <laughs> chairs are more comfortable. I do feel the pressure, Of preaching better to keep you awake in these chairs the chairs used to help me um, in the other place (laughs) keep you all awake but um, I kind of like the chairs they're super comfortable right Um, this is our home at least for the next uh, for the foreseeable future this is our home and I think about uh, what God brought us through to get here and uh, and and really it's it's been a journey fraught with fear And fear has done a number on me at times. And and thinking about what fear has done to me led me to want to preach about fear at our first service in this campus, in this space, because I see what a formidable thing fear can be, what a liar fear can be, and what a liar fear can make out of us if we let it. And I think there's no more important message for our day and age, for us today, than to to wrap our minds around what the Bible says about fear and how Jesus is an antidote, the antidote, to fear. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about with this. uh, We're starting a new series uh, called The Questions Jesus Asked. We've always been about questions. That's not going to change. We love questions. One of the reasons we love questions is because Jesus loved questions. He's the ultimate, like, answer man in a lot of our minds. But Jesus asked a ton of questions, like uh, 370 questions, or, no, 307 questions in the four Gospels he asked. That's a lot of questions in those four biographies. I mean, they really just cover three years of his life. And 307 times he's quoted asking questions, even though he's Jesus, probably already has the answers. But he's asking questions nonetheless. Why? Because he loved inspiring deeper conversations, getting people to think for themselves and come to the conclusion of the truth on their own. In their own, instead of spoon-feeding them, he would ask thought-provoking questions and let, let them let them work it out, with his help, of course. And so that's what we want to do. And, and so we're going to explore some of the questions Jesus asked um, in this series. And today, part one, is a question that he actually asked a handful of times, not just once. And the question we're looking at today is, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And uh, if your first reaction to that is, I ain't scared, I'm scared of nothing, I'm afraid, like you're, you're the most afraid. <laughs> Just be honest, there's no there's no fronting God like he knows, and you know, and that's okay. We're here to talk about it today, all right? So, um, so we'll get to the passage in a minute where Jesus actually asked that question. But first, uh, since this is the beginning of something, and we're celebrating new beginnings today, I'd like us to begin our our journey here at the beginning, in the beginning of Scripture, the beginning of space and time, the beginning of all things. So if you will, please either take your Bible that I'm sure most of you brought with you to church because I've been begging and pleading with you to start bringing your Bibles to church. If you didn't, there's no shame in it. Well, there's a little shame in it, but not uh, too much, okay? There's Bibles right in front of you. Check that out. See, we've got pew Bibles now. I told y'all we're becoming a church all right, growing up church, you can take your, now I I will say it has the smallest print I have ever seen in any book. So you might, if you can't remember to bring your Bible to church with you, remember to bring a magnifying glass with you so you can read our Bibles, okay? So turn to Genesis 1, first chapter, first verse, first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. All right? Y'all ready? Okay. So uh, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'm going to stop there, all right? So what I, what I want us to see here, among other things, is that the Bible, when it speaks of the beginning, is remarkably insightful from uh, just a common sense and scientific point of view. The Bible, it's not written to be a scientific textbook or explanation of the creation, but in this instance, the Bible tells a similar story that the most recent cosmology and, and science will tell us, which is that there was a beginning, and just before and after the very beginning, whether it was a bang or whatever it was, it was chaos. The rules did not apply. The laws of physics were not in place yet. It took a while for those to govern the universe. In the beginning, it was hot, it was dark, it was chaos. There were no, no up, no down, it was just wild. And, and, and I guess that's the definition of a scary thing, right? It's like unpredictable, dangerous, dark, chaotic. And, and the, the Bible says as much. The earth was formless and void. Dark covered the earth. But then God spoke. He spoke light into the darkness. He brought order out of the chaos. And what I want us to see, and the reason we're starting in the beginning today as a way of talking about our fear today is because, I think it's a truism, that what you believe about what happened in the beginning, what you believe about the most fundamental things, will shape how you react to the darkness and chaos that present themselves to you today. What you believe about the the, the, in the beginning, Genesis 1, or whether you believe something else, will shape the foundation on which you stand today. And it will determine, I'm going to explain this, but it will determine how firm a footing you have when the darkness closes in, when the chaos is all around you, and, and how you respond and live accordingly. And here's what I mean. If, for example, you believe about the, the very first things in the beginning, right, that things just happened, and this is—I'm not diminishing your belief. I'm just explaining this as best I can. If you believe that things just happened with no real rhyme or reason at all, and that—and that what happened at the Big Bang was something akin to a random accident, or, or, or at least we could say it didn't happen on purpose for a reason, or as the result of some divine hand guiding a process, you know, with some plan in mind. If you believe that—that—that that, that basically uh, random cosmic conditions that just so happened to contain everything necessary for the Big Bang and the universe and life and love and intelligence and science and everything that we've come to know as reality, but it just happened by accident. If you believe that what happened then gave rise to a rather, or, or maybe totally, indifferent universe, and that the chaos and darkness ruled then, and the light and order just happened to slip through the cracks of cosmic indifference, accidentally, then when the chaos and darkness close in around you now, you will have every reason to be justifiably afraid. Because there is no good reason in that worldview, there's no good reason to believe that the chaos will ever resolve or the darkness will ever relent. There's no good reason to think anything good will ever happen or that there's anything happening on purpose at all. You will be increasingly alone, increasingly isolated, increasingly terrified, and you should be. Because the universe is indifferent. And it doesn't really matter what happens to you. Or to us and in good times you won't notice how terrifying that is but in times like these the last two years have been just one fearful thing after another that's when you'll see that the foundation you're standing on is shaky at best now if on the other hand uh and skeptics in the room hang with me because i know what i'm describing sounds like wish fulfillment like i'm going to believe this because it feels better that's not the point i'm making if, however, on the other hand, you believe what Genesis 1 says about in the, in the beginning there was a reason, a purpose, a designer, a divine mind, will, and hand behind creation guiding it making everything possible just so that we have the universe that we have a universe that gave rise to things that we cherish like truth and beauty and justice and goodness like those things are real things that that exist for a reason if then you believe that in the beginning there was a ruler over the darkness in the beginning there was a lord of the chaos who just had to speak to dispel the darkness, to speak light into it, to speak order into the chaos, to make sense of things, if that's what you believe about the beginning, then when the darkness closes in around you today, and when the chaos reigns supreme in the world around you, you will have no reason to be afraid. I didn't say the world's not scary, or that it's just an illusion. I'm saying you will need not be afraid because the one who spoke light in the darkness in the beginning is still on the throne today. The one who brought order out of chaos then can do the same today. And you have a firm foundation on which to stand and be confident even in terrifying times. And the difference between those two worldviews I've just described is fear and what fear does to us, it's really amazing the effect that fear has on us and how often we let it have that effect on us. It's really amazing. I don't know if you've done any reading on the effects of fear, but I'm not even talking about spiritually. I'm just talking about like physically. You know that fear makes you sick. It, it, it actually weakens your immune system. So if you're afraid, let's say, hypothetically speaking, totally, if you're afraid of a virus, <laughs> you're more likely to get sick with it. Your fear will make you more susceptible to the thing you fear. It will, it, it will cause heart problems and blood pressure issues and fertility issues and relationship issues. Fear is... A powerful thing, maybe one of the most powerful in the world, and and it's no surprise then that the Bible says so much about the subject. The most oft-repeated divine command in Scripture, and it's not even close, is don't be afraid. Do not fear, fear not, have no fear. Variations of that phrase. One preacher said uh, it appears 365 times in the Bible, which would be a little fortuitous, once per day for every year, except leap year. Be terrified on February 29th. But... (laughs) every other day is covered i don't even know if that number is exactly precisely true it sounds like something a preacher says if i'm being honest but it's it's a lot it's a lot and there's nothing god commands nearly as much as don't be afraid and we have to wonder why and if you were listening to preachers today you would think that the most oft-repeated command in scripture has something to do with with where you slept last night or who you're attracted to or or you know your money or something that's that's not it this stuff's important The most important thing, according to at least volume in terms of what God wants us to know and what he feels like we would need to hear the most, is don't be afraid. So I'm I'm going to get into this with Jesus now. And and this this question we're looking at today is is something he asked a lot. Not just just in this passage, it's just one example. All right, so this is from Matthew chapter 8. And and this is the first book of the New Testament. So Genesis 1 was Old Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Turn with me, if you will, to to, uh, Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to read a a story about Jesus and his disciples on a boat. All right? So Matthew 8, we're going to start in verse 23. All right. Then Jesus got into the boat. His disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake uh, so that the waves swept over the boat. That sounds pretty scary. At night, in a boat, right? Jesus was sleeping, which is hilarious. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this that even the winds and waves obey him? All right. It's a lot that I love about this little passage, but I, I'm limited on time, I understand, but there's, I could just, there's every word almost. It's great. But the, the descriptive language of the storm is very evocative of, of what scares us. Like, this This storm is a furious one. If you've been to the Holy Land, you've probably, around Galilee, witnessed one of these storms. They just pop up in the middle of the night because of how the the lake is situated uh, geographically. Uh, And and so this storm was furious. It was threatening to capsize the boat. And these were seasoned fishermen, right? They had seen this before, but they were terrified, okay? Okay. Um, and, and we often think about this, I think, when I was a kid, growing up in church, I thought about Jesus, what kind of boat would Jesus be in? And my thought was like, well, he's probably, he's probably riding pretty, pretty high, right? Like, he's Jesus, he can have whatever boat, he probably manifested a, a yacht or something, I don't know, it's like, I always, and, and I, think my, I think my Sunday school teachers taught me this, that Jesus was like below deck, like in the, in, in the master suite. which is just silly to think of these were fishermen and so they would have had a fishing boat and it was the first century and they've uncovered boats uh like this one which is intact they they just found this in the the latter part of the 20th century for a relatively new find and it was it's 27 feet long by about seven and a half feet wide and And every boat they found in the region was a lot like this one. So this is probably what Jesus was sleeping in, which looks a lot less comfortable than what I had imagined uh, him to be sleeping in. The other thing that I love about the story is that Jesus was taking a nap on a boat. And uh, I don't know why I I find that so delightful, but I think it's because God knew everything about everything except what it was like to take a nap on a boat. And uh, so he wanted to experience that too. And it kind of... It kind of reminded me um, of this meme that I saw at the, at the, at the new year, which was like, I'm going to be more like Jesus this year. And they're like, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be friends with sinners. I'm going to make religious people mad. And I'm going to take more naps on boats. <laughs> I was like, that's a good goal. I'm going to take more naps on boats in 2022. Can y'all get on board? Amen? All right. Well, Jesus was taking a nap in the middle of, of the storm which his disciples found especially disconcerting because he's supposed to be the guy. And they're, they're feeling like they're about to die. And he's asleep on the job here. And, and so they wake him up. And the real heart of the passage is what Jesus says when they wake him up and what he doesn't say. Okay, so Jesus, when they woke him up from his nap, which no one likes to be awakened from a nap, but Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Immediately drawing the line from their faith to their fear. Now, if it was me or you, most of us would draw the line from their fear to the storm, right? Jesus doesn't say anything about the storm until he speaks directly to the wind and the waves. Jesus is only concerned about the relationship between. Their deficit of faith and their surplus of fear, which is a whole different way of thinking about fear. Jesus doesn't say, Hey, this storm this storm is nothing. You wusses like man up. Like he doesn't say this storm is weak. He doesn't say, like a spiritual guru, like it's an illusion. The storm doesn't even exist. Like he doesn't even, he doesn't diminish the storm. It's almost like he's acknowledging. How scary a storm it really is by not getting mad at them for being scared about a storm. What he's, what he's upset about or what he wants to deal with is the relationship between their, their faith and, and, and their fear. And, and then he speaks to the, to the storm and, uh, and calms the winds. And, and that, that told the disciples that they were dealing with more than just a man. That's what the last part means. This is one of the clues they had early on that Jesus was more than just a prophet. That he's God in the flesh. Only God can speak to the wind and waves and they would obey him. That's all, all over the Hebrew scriptures, Old Testament, okay? So what are we going to do with this new way of dealing with fear, with, with Jesus' way of, of handling fear? You know, I, 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 don't, I, I hesitated with this next part because I know how politicized all of this is and I am not... A radical politically on either whatever but uh, we have to talk about this we are living in the, uh, I've never seen more people more afraid more of the time without rational costs to to uh, to make sense of the the level of fear I'm not saying there aren't scary things in the world I'm saying when fear takes over it takes us to irrational places and I'm seeing irrational fear everywhere. And it's governing us now. All of a sudden, we've just let it. And so every decision we're making as a society and as a lot of us individually, it's, it's fear-driven. And I, 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 it's all of us, let me just say that. But I was, I was talking to this guy the other day who's a peer, I wouldn't say we're friends, but he has a son who's similar age as my son. We were just talking and, and he, was, he was grieved when he talked about what this pandemic and everything has done to his boy. His boy uh, was 10 when the pandemic started, and he's 12 now-ish, I think. And, uh, and he talked about how thankful he is that the vaccines are now being avail- made available for, for kids, because his son had decided back when he was 10, when this whole thing started, that he wasn't going to leave the house until he could be vaccinated and safe from COVID. Just out of pastoral curiosity my my question was well, uh, tell me does your boy have other like health problems or struggles you know I was just kind of getting at that whole question of of vulnerability and 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 how much risk this boy's at for COVID and said no no he's he's a healthy kid and he always played sports and all this stuff and he's just he's just afraid of of catching the virus and and then I I asked about elderly relatives are there people at risk in his household or in y'all's life that he doesn't he's afraid of infecting because that would I mean that would make sense to me. That would actually be pretty honorable if this 10-year-old boy is thinking about elderly relatives in that way, right? He said, no, it's not, it's not that. All our relatives are, are living elsewhere. And he said, he's afraid of catching this virus and it killing him. And if you've been around the story, you know we're not like those Christians, I guess, that just deny everything. <laughs> we're not, uh, we've, we shut down in-person worship for eight months. And for, for caution, you know, it's like we, we required masks after that until everybody was uh, able to, to access the, the vaccines and all that. So we want to be careful because we believe in an ethic of life. We want to be as cautious and careful with life as we can. But there's something about a 10-year-old boy wrapped with fear, a perfectly healthy 10-year-old boy wrapped up in fear for years on end in the prime of his childhood years, and there's something that deeply grieves me about it and about what effect that's going to have on him for the rest of his life. And what really is sad is I know he's in the majority in his age group. I've seen the same thing affecting my kids and all, all kinds of other kids to different degrees, obviously, but it's still there. It's having an impact, and it's, it's fear. And it seems justifiable because it's a pandemic, and we should be careful, my goodness, but something has turned now, and the fear has taken over. And it can't always be accounted for with reason, or with the science, or whatever. And it's everywhere. It's not just kids, either. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> when I see a guy like running on the trail around Rice University, outside by himself, double-masked, I'm just like, bro, how do you even do that? <laughs> like, how is that physically possible? He must be in the best shape of his life. Like, that's incredible. I couldn't do it without the mask. Like, I can't walk without. I was just like, he's trucking around the trail, two masks, all alone. And I don't want to judge. He might have some reason to do that. but, But I just see fear everywhere I look is what I'm saying. I have a friend of a friend, this guy who I'm friends with, he was telling me about another friend of his who he had heard about, who every day he gets home, and he's not a doctor or anything, first of all. He's like, not in the medical field. He gets home from work, pulls his car in the garage, strips naked in the garage, leaves his clothes out in the garage, and then sprays his whole body down with rubbing alcohol before going into the house. I'm starting to think that maybe there's more issues going on with it, but I, all I could think about at the time, because I'm still an adolescent at heart, was, man, I hope they have an attached garage. <laughs> That's all I could think about. <laughs> Uh, otherwise those neighbors they're getting an eyeful of every day um and then walking in the door to his family (laughs) anyway I don't know it's funny but it's also really sad to see how fear affects us and believe me when I tell you it's not just people that are scared of COVID people that kind of swing the other way and are like denying it all and it's all a big conspiracy and the government's coming to get us and fauci's the devil and bill gates is the antichrist and the mark of the beast is the vaccine and man if i had a dime for every email that i've gotten with that kind of stuff like we could have you know paid the whole year's rent on this place (laughs) like that's out there too and it's not always rooted in truth either it's just fear and if jesus were with us in the flesh right now, I think he would pose a similar question that he posed the disciples in that storm. And it's important, like, he wouldn't say, I don't think he would say, well, you should, uh, the government isn't scary. Because it is. He wouldn't say the virus isn't scary, because it is. He would say, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Jesus draws the line from our fears to our faith and not from our fears to our circumstances. And to follow Jesus means to learn how to do that too. When you are tempted with fear, when fear is lying in your ear and making a liar out of you, when fear is taken over and it's governing you, instead of drawing the line from your fears to what you're afraid of. Learn to draw the line from your fears to your faith and realize that without fail, for those of us who are following Jesus, a deficit of faith will result in a surplus of fear. And a surplus of faith will result in a deficit of fear. Or I didn't say that right. A a, a deficit of fear and the surplus of of faith, right? Did I say that right? Anyway, you get what I'm saying? It's been a long week. Okay, yesterday... Speaking of this week, yesterday, uh, y'all know it's been a lot going on around here, right? Like, did that tell you the part about 3 a.m.? Anyway, I think I did. There's been a lot going on yesterday. Gio and I, usually pretty good parents, we forgot to feed our children dinner yesterday. <laughs> That's just how we're doing right now, all right? So our kids have things to fear that are worse than COVID. starvation. <laughs> Parental guilt setting in. But um, there's, a, there's a real relationship between how our faith is in Christ and how our fear is in our hearts and minds that I think it's worth paying attention to. And w- as you think about what you're afraid of and why, think about this what kind of a force would you become for God, for truth, for the gospel? if you found a way to deal with your fears the way Jesus wants you to, if instead of just justifying your anxiety and fear with with your circumstances, what if you did draw that straight line from your fear to your faith? How free would you be then? And, And that's not to say that the things that you're scared of aren't scary. Jesus doesn't insult us or diminish us that way. He doesn't say that, 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 you know, um, it's a choice whether you, you live in scary times or not. It's a choice to whether you live in darkness or not. What he does say is that it's always a choice to live in fear or not. That's the choice. To choose not to live in fear is not to be a fool. It's not to be incautious or dismissive of other people's concerns. To choose not to live in fear is to smile through the storm, to pray through the storm, to believe that even though this storm is formidable, the one who commanded the winds and waves then is in the boat with us today. And the one who spoke light into darkness and brought order into chaos then is still on the throne today. What are you afraid of and why? Why? There's good reasons to be scared. All of us have them, health concerns. A lot of us are scared of being alone, scared of your marriage falling apart, scared of screwing up your kids and not feeding them dinner. And (laughs) you're you're scared of letting people down. You're scared of growing old alone. You're scared of dying. All of it is very scary. We don't get to choose whether we're going to live around scary things in dark times or not, but we get to choose whether or not we're going to be afraid. By the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, and because of the firm foundation on which we stand that informs us that in the beginning there was a a rhyme and reason, a purpose behind it all, which tells us that every life has a reason for being, that we're all here for some greater plan and purpose than, than there must be reason to hope, as scary as this world might be. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell us as a church on day one of our new beginning here, the hardest part of our life together, the scariest things we'll ever face together, aren't to be found in the last eight months. There's scarier things ahead. There's more difficult decisions to be made, and there's more difficult, scary circumstances to to go through as a church. But when we look back on today, what we believe about what's happening right now will form the foundation on which we stand then. Do you believe that God has brought us here for a reason? On purpose, according to plan? Do you believe it? Yes? If you believe that today, then that will be the foundation on which you stand when things fall apart later, and even when your circumstances press you to feel afraid, you will choose faith over fear, even even when the darkness closes in. You know the God of light, the God who speaks light into being, is with us, in the boat with us, through the storm with us, so we need not be afraid y'all pray with me? God set us free from the chains of fear and and the effects that it has on us. We confess that um, as long as we're afraid, we're a slave. We know you created us. We believe you've created us for more than to be mere slaves of fear. Lord, when we are afraid and the darkness is closing in and anxiety is filling us up and we don't know where to go with it lord help us to learn how to draw the line from what we are feeling to our faith in you from our fear to our faith and to see that the more we rely on you the more you help us to deal with and overcome our fear thank you for this day for what this day represents for this church thank you for this message this word thank you for Jesus. In him we've overcome every fear already. Lord, just help us to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.